Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, welcome back. <laughs> How are you? Uh, yeah, well, I'm okay. I am I'm COVID-free. Uh, that's actually not true. I've still got a viral load, uh, (laughs) but I am no longer transmitting COVID. I am healthy. No longer giving it to your friends and neighbors. That's right. I'm, you know, basically symptom free. I'm still exhausted. I still have a very low energy level. My threshold for becoming totally exhausted is still at about 20% of normal capacity, I'd say. So, uh, but no, I'm good. So, obviously, we were not here last week. Huge uh, thank you to Will, Daddy, for coming in and saving the day because neither one of us were in any shape to record last week. No, no. I think either one of us could have been present if the other one were healthy. Yeah, that might be true. that we were both down was, that was the nail. So I called (coughs) you, or I think I messaged you Tuesday morning. So our, we've got a person that comes and helps us clean our house. I'm not afraid to admit that. Uh, I think some people might be. Um, But our house cleaner was set to come on Tuesday for her, you know, once a month, two hour walkthrough. And so I was just sort of straightening stuff up. Meanwhile, I think I had told you, I think Sunday night, I was like, man, I have allergies. I'm, I, I'm not really an allergy sufferer, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm after having... we had just hung out for two entire days That's... because we were bachelors. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, but pollen counts were crazy. And I was like, well, here I am. Uh, I'm sick. And, um, with allergies and Tuesday morning, straightening up the house in anticipation of the house cleaner, just putting the kids like toys away and making sure stuff's out of the way. And I'm like dripping, pouring sweat and sinuses are totally compacted and got the itchy cough, itchy eyes, running a fever at that point, 101, 102 degree fever. I was like, you know, I think I have COVID. So I messaged you, hey, do you get any tests? You said, yes, I do. And I said, okay, well, just drop it off on the porch. And you're like, dude, I've spent the last 48 hours with you yeah. on a <laughs> tiny little couch playing video games. Uh, yeah, and as it turned out, I had COVID. Yeah. I, I am now a card-carrying member of the I've Had COVID Club. And this was two, my first bout. I have two punches in my card now. <laughs> And so you got sick the same day I did. I'm really sick. I was like 12 to 18 hours behind me. Behind you, it seemed like. At least from Tuesday morning. Because if you if you were starting to... So I was like probably closer to like 40 hours behind you if you were starting to feel shitty on Sunday. Because hmm. Tuesday morning, I was like I, got, like, I got air conditioner sinus right now. Yeah, that's what I felt like too that Sunday night. Yeah. And then by Tuesday afternoon, I was like, oh no. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> And then, yeah, so mine was much more. I mean, you guys are familiar with the voice that you hear right now. A little scratchy. That's, yeah. That tends to be where I where I get sick. But Yeah, you got much sicker than I did the first time, I think. Um, yeah, the, my first go around was, was gnarly, but. I, I never got, I never got any sort of sick. I never had any respiratory issues. My cough was always pretty mild. Um, but I had a really tremendous headache for about four days and I got this like middle of my back soreness fire thing that happened. And so, yeah, it was not great. It was not a great experience. All things said and done though, I didn't even have medium symptoms. I had mild COVID, you know, Mm -hmm. by the book with that said, I spent four days on a couch sleeping because, I had no energy and a tremendous yeah. headache that pre- prevented me from like watching TV, which is bad. Yeah, that was a bummer for people like us to not be able to watch television. That's bad. Well, and my family was out of town, which is a blessing. 
Um, but I was alone basically for four days, which was a little rough. Um, couldn't watch TV, was totally alone. That So that was a little rough. The good news is I slept almost the entire time. So I just stayed hopped up on NyQuil and Mountain Dew. <laughs> but yeah, so Will saved the day for us last week, as you all will know, and did a solo show, which I think is actually pretty difficult to do. Super difficult. And we in, even attempted to discourage him from doing it. Because we're like, I don't know how you're going to do that. That sounds miserable. And he killed it. I listened to it he did right great. on release. And I was like, man, look at you go. He did great. I mean, he could take over for us, actually. Yeah. So there's a transition plan <laughs> in the works. <laughs> our uh, our exit strategy is, is blossoming. So all that to say, I think I'm doing really well, Andrew. How, how are you? Uh, well, I'm good. I got a little bit of the Batman voice still, a little bit of lingering cough. Uh, my energy is mostly back. But, yeah, I mean, just had the COVID week, and I'm glad it wasn't as bad as the first go-around. And I remember you texting me, you're like, oh, this is happening. I was like, yeah, no, you're okay. That's, you're, you're okay. It's going to happen. Um, but it's good to be on the other side of it and yeah, back in front of a microphone. Yeah, it, and today is the day. Is it? We are officially... Recording on the new oh. Rodecaster Pro <laughs> 2 brand new device. Mm -hmm. This has just been released in the last month. We have not used this machine yet because it shipped with some firmware issues. And they were firmware issues that affected us the way we record. So decided it's better to kind of... Keep it shelved because Rode is a great company and we knew they were actively working on some of the issues. They, it, you know, I think people have been pretty harsh with their criticism. Oh, Rode shipped a half-baked half product. I don't think that's true, but I think for certain workflows, it affected people differently and it, it was going to affect us. So we kind of kept it tabled. But now with version 1.04, firmware version 1.04, uh, all of our issues have been remedied. We've got all our sounds loaded in and we're now we're recording on the new board. And this is probably the first podcast you will listen to using this board. It, there's a chance unless you're super into the tech space, like the podcast creator space, which some people are, um, you, you may have listened to other shows recorded, but yeah, this is kind of bleeding edge. We're, we're on the bleeding edge of this new device, which is, for sure. There's zero doubt about it. This is the most advanced podcast recorder on the market. And uh, we are the most advanced podcasters <laughs> on the market. <laughs> yeah, I like cutting edge more than bleeding edge. Yeah. Well, I think I think they kind of work the same, right? Yeah. It's just it's opposite sides of the same device. And I would prefer <laughs> to be on the cutting side than the bleeding side. So all things you know, being equal. All that to say, we do not need this device. Um, this is a bit of a, uh, this is a bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for? We're nerds. You know yeah. that about us. This is a gear acquisition because it's cool. This is us buying cool shit. I will say there, there's some neat stuff we can do. Like for instance, I can make myself sound like a robot. Uh, I don't know what we do with this. If I want to make myself sound like a smaller robot, I can. Maybe we use it for when we have, like, I hate this sound. You need to turn it off, please. The, there Thank you, you go. When we have, like, maybe maybe secretive interviews. Oh, yeah. No, there's actually there's actually a connection for that. Uh, I think it's uh, this one. So if we want to have an anonymous guest, this is the one. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's also so this one. That I do like that one. That one's that one covers up my Batman voice, <laughs> and I think I sound a little lovely. I, I don't actually. I don't actually think there's any good use for these. The the megaphone is kind of fun. Like, <laughs> I don't think there's a good use for any of those things. Uh, but we have them because and, and now you got, know we have them, and now you, and and we also have this sound on the board. Or when we want to do Batman transitions. And as we're wanting to do. 
Okay, enough. <laughs> so we've Lord. talked about COVID. We've talked about <coughs> the new recording device. And we're only 10 minutes in. We're 10 minutes in. I, we appreciate your patience, you guys. Look, we had to catch up a little bit. Yeah, we've been gone for two weeks. We've Didn't you miss us? Didn't you miss our bullshit? But here we are back. Here and we, we missed you. And we are actually going to talk about watches today. Let's get there. I, uh, we're wearing, I think, my... My two favorite watches that we own. We're not going to do a wrist check. We are. Let's just do it. It's not called a wrist check. We're just and we're just noting what it is that we're wearing right now. Which I think. Oh, okay, I'm wearing my Manta, my Triumph, and you're and, and you're wearing your Trasca. And I think these are my two favorite watches that we own. This is a good combo. Yeah. This is a good two watch collection. They are totally overlapping and exactly the same, but perfectly different. And that is the commuter, correct? Yes. Yeah. So the 36 millimeter with that beautiful bubble crystal that you can mm-hmm. see from across the room yeah it's so good looking yeah. 36 millimeter watch that's that yeah. it's it's a really killer watch this is my size 36 millimeters is it for me yeah i'll buy non 36s but 36 is the is the peak for me it, it just hit the sweet spot for you yeah yeah and, and and you know the Monta for its part, pretty the Triumph is so good. It, that's right. It's it's not a huge watch. I, I think thirty eight and change. I think thirty eight. Oh uh, yeah, thirty eight and a half. But you know, at, at roughly ten millimeters thick, it, you know, I'm always blown away. I, you know, anyway. I mean, I thought the the Atlas was like svelte, and, and then I wore and it, it is, and then I wore it next to the Triumph, and I was like, this is a, this is a chunky bitch. <laughs> it's a fatty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. We're going to go. We're going to go. We're going to do a roundup because, well, there's two reasons for that, I think. One, we're both coming off of COVID. And even though we're we're healthy today, we're still like operating at pretty low capacity. We need a little light lift. And there's been a lot happening. Yeah. That has caught our eye. That's right. That's right. It's been kind of a fun week. I would say we're going to be a fun two weeks. We're going to be a little bit more upscale than we have been. Yeah. Uh, although we're, we're this is kind of a middle of the road. This is that like affordable Swiss luxury show. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Because there's been some cool things happening. And some of the things happening have been sort of, um, I mean, we... We're going to dive into, we're going a little out of order from what I sent you, but we're going to, we're going to dive in with, um, we talked about this year being the year of colors, right? Mm -hmm. This is the Easter year. It it is. And and I, and I mean Easter in the way of pastels, not in the way of like eggs and shit, (laughs) but everyone at this point is doing color releases, iterative releases of already existing watches adding new things to the lineup. And I'm going to start with the not Swiss upscale and go with Veyer right off the bat. Okay. With their Atlas Orange. So Veyer has just unveiled available, unveiled and now available for pre-order an A3, which is their USA assembled automatic 36 millimeter field watch in atlas orange uh, so i love Vera as a company uh you, you know i know the owners these guys are great um well, I, I shouldn't say i know them i've met the owners uh, uh but i just think you know we've talked about this on the show every release they do seems really like nuanced and tailored towards a specific customer yes and they can do that because they're small they're nimble it's not a big boat to to adjust course with and and you know i don't know how much money these guys are making i think that they're selling a metric butt ton of of watches they're all they're always out of something yeah i i I think that they are selling a lot of watches i don't know what their margins are like obviously um well, we know what their prices are, so their margins can't be you know, that great. That's right. U.S. assembled. This is a auto. This is a Etta movement, or is a Salita movement? Ooh, I think they're working off an of Etta. Let me check. Great Doesn't build matter. quality on these, um, and six hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, six hundred and fifty bucks. Um, as between the Trasca, 
I think I probably lean commuter a little bit, but that orange dial is something else. They're they're working off a of Miyota. Oh, is it a Miyota? It's a mm-hmm. Miyota nine thousand. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that that makes it a little bit more affordable. But they're they're doing cool stuff. Yeah. Six hundred and forty bucks available for pre order. It's a good orange. So oh. I mean, it's it's the orange you expect. Yep. And 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 their American assembly option, I think, is. Is really great. There's there's a few companies now that are doing this, and I think they're they're using FTS for assembly. Would be my guess. I don't know that for sure. Um, but the Ameri the Americorps producers FTS has a U.S. assembly operation, and I yeah. assume that's where Vera is doing this. Next in the color releases, IWC. Oh yeah, they went green with the they. Big- they went this beautiful jade green on the 43 millimeter big pilot i love the big pilot i would never wear it why, why but, would you never wear it so i've worn i've, I've tried i've had on a big pilot before i got barbecue sauce on it uh an ad in, in an airport <laughs> uh i was at the austin airport i like i went to one of the barbecue places and then was at the ad's looking at big pilots and i was like oh that's barbecue sauce. yeah i did uh but I love this watch. It's just too big for me. It's it's bigger than I would want to wear a watch. It's not like it looks bad on me because I don't think a big pilot would look bad on anybody. You know, if you could have a strap small enough to fit a baby, a big pilot would look good on a baby. It's just bigger than I want to wear a watch. They they run pretty thin though, don't they? Yeah, they're they're real thin. They they feel good. They're just they're bigger than I want to wear a watch. But this color that they're dropping in this green is money complete with a green super traditional pilot strap the two riveted the dual riveted strap quote unquote riveted yeah i'm I'm pretty confident they're not real rivets (laughs) well they might be i don't know i don't either but my assumption is that they are not yeah (laughs) Uh, but it looks good yeah and it's but it's following this trend and and now I'm comfortable saying everyone's doing it. Everyone's on the colorway game right now. Yeah, well, I think IWC has been so that you know they've got their full white. I I think it's ceracoded or it may be uh, actually a ceramic mm-hmm. case Ooh. that that's been real I think it's hot. Ceramic, yeah. Um, you, you know, it, uh, IWC is no stranger is no stranger to the game. But they're everyone's jumping on the new color drop of an already existing watch. Yeah. Yeah. Up to and including Breitling. Who gives us some well, it's not exactly just a new oh, yeah. colorway. No. So so we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about the new Breitling. It's the new Super Ocean in new colorways. Br- Breitling did a thing here. Kind of low key thing. Uh, low key replaced the Super Ocean. Yeah, with with a pretty significant refresh. I mean, this is a huge change to a staple. Yeah, without warning. Not exactly just a. I mean, it's definitely not just a colorway change, but that's a significant part of the formula here is the new colorways in the, I'm going to call it the super ocean blue. Cause I think that's most appropriate. Yeah. It's yeah. And a white kind of an Arctic white and a lady tiff or a, and a lady blue. That is the thing for some reason. I'm, I'm not a big fan of the, of the Tiffany blue craze. Oh, well but it's a good color. It, yeah. Yeah. But I'm not a big fan of the, that trend in the colorways trends that we're seeing. So I've heard some mixed reviews. I've heard some people sort of lament that they've taken this piece that's been a staple of their collection and completely revamped it. And and, and for what it's worth, the Super Ocean, the older Super Ocean, really distinctive looking watch. Mm-hmm. And this new Super Ocean, maybe a little bit more vanilla. Like this, if if this was a Hamilton, I wouldn't be shocked. It could, it could just it could be a Hamilton. It could be a Boulevard. 
That's right. It could be uh, a squala. I mean, it could be. It it sort of could be anyone. It doesn't it, represent Breitling's design language like the previous iteration. You, you've got that. You've got that angled three link, right? Mm-hmm. So they're sort of iconic angled bracelet. Um, and you've got hands that are classic Breitling hands and and Breitling branding. So I've heard some criticisms that they've taken an iconic piece and they've sort of dummied it down and made it sort of generic looking. But I don't think I know anybody, not a single person who's ever said, I really like the super ocean. So (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it was fair game, right? Yeah. It's, it was not a beloved watch by very many folks. Who could change the Camry? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, I will say, I think they missed in one one place here. So they've made four sizes. They made a 36, which I think is too small for this watch. This is not going to wear like... This needs to be 40 plus. So they've made a 36 and they've made 42, 44, and 46. Yep. And they've skipped right over 38 and 40, which I think are probably the two most in-demand sizes right now. I, th- I I agree. I think 36 will be a miss. I think 40 would have been their superstar, should it have been in, in, in production. Yeah. The problem with this is that there is a, actually a pretty slim bezel-to-dial ratio. The, the bezel's f- fairly thin yeah. relative to the dial, but the... But it's sort of a sector dial, so you yeah. you get thirty like, percent of the dial is taken up by the minute track, so your actual yeah. dial is tiny, and, and your and your hour markers are inset a pretty significant way. Yeah, which means you have tiny hands, right? I mean, the the minute the 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 hands don't go to where you would expect a chapter ring to be; they go to two thirds of the way across the dial. I think in in practical sense, they nailed it with a huge minute track and a bezel. You almost get a dual timing function out of that kind of incremented minute track and that bezel. But without the hands extending all the way out, Mm -hmm. you're you're not going to have the legibility you would want practically for a dive watch like this. Sure. And I don't need it to be practical but I'd sort of like it to be because that makes it cooler. Yeah. You you know, I I think, I I think it is legible and and assisted by way of the hands. You've got a really sort of maybe a little bit stubby, um, hour hand, but with a, with some prominence and then a huge, the handset's meant for a 34 millimeter watch. Yeah, that's, that's not, not true. Um, a huge square like brick on the minute hand. I think mm-hmm. legibility is going to be okay. Although, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You'd, you'd have to see it in person. Uh, f- by all accounts and by specs, these are probably incredibly well built. Mm. Uh, cost certified chronometers. Well, and, and just by company reputation alone. It's Surround- a Breitling. Yeah, that's right. So th- these are going to be well made. I-, I think it's a fantastic watch. The retail prices are between forty five hundred and sixty five hundred, sixty seven hundred. Yeah. So they're going to be, they're going to be. I, I think I these are going to be a hit. I think it's a great watch. Actually, I- I'm. It may not be exciting, and it may not be a super ocean, but I think this is a cool watch. Breitling is not a particularly exciting brand, though. Well, you know, Breitling had some new leadership takeover a couple of years ago. Yeah. I can't remember the fellow's name, but they've been making some moves. I, 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 I give them a pass on this. It's the fucking super ocean. Nobody liked the super ocean. No, I give them a pass. Dude, take this, take this brand and make something fun with it. I like Breitling watches almost universally. I like the Navitimer. I love the Navitimer. And, and I think that's it. I, I, I like their catalog. I like to look at them. I think they're cool tool watches. I can't see myself ever owning one unless it's an LCD Navitimer. Yeah, I mean, which watches besides the besides the uh, Navitimer are, are you into? The whole the whole Navitimer portfolio is like over okay. history is, but that's is the, dope. that's a watch. Well, let's pull it up. 
Let's, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a couple <laughs> a couple Breitling watches, and I want you to tell me otherwise. Okay. I, I mean, I'm actually a defender of Breitling. I think, but yeah, I I don't know that I like any other watches. I, I'm I'm down with them all because I think the Navitimer is one of the most iconic watches ever made. I mean, and it then, absolutely is. And then beyond that, it's like, what do they have? The, the is it? Do they make the Rescue? The one with the they do with like the yeah. GPS beacon on it. Really cool. Super fucking ugly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, we're we're gonna move on. It's just the Colt, <clears throat> Breitling Colt, best watch ever made. Uh, what's next? What is next? Can we talk? Uh, can we talk about Tag for a little bit? Ooh, we need to Tag Hoyer because uh, two watches caught our eyes this week uh one of those is quartz solar and, and i expect because tag has been uh working closely with leju Perret and by extension citizen i expect his eco drive it must be we've got a tag hoyer professional 200 eco drive watch solar graph Solar Graph, a.k.a. EcoDrive. It must be. It's yeah. got to be, right? Yeah, there's nothing else it could be. <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty cool. Fuck, an EcoDrive Aquaracer is what it is. It looks, Can we say that? Can we just say that? I, the, it's an EcoDrive Aquaracer? The EcoRacer? The EcoRacer? Yeah. The Solar Graph, which is not a... Yeah, yeah, and they did some weird things in their marketing language. That that were like trying to disguise what it was doing, but this is that's exactly what it is. It's an ego racer, and it's money. It's the aqua racer that you know that you love. It's in. It comes in a DLC with a rubber bracelet. I'd I'd like to see like an all DLC bracelet. Yeah, with so a rubber strap, not a rubber bracelet. But everything else is exactly what you expect. But for the fact that it's EcoDrive and not Quartz. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wish this was just like a steel watch. I, I'm I'm fine with the stealthy look. I think they'll probably do one. They're going to, they'll do an iteration in steel. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Yeah, this is, <clears throat> I mean, this is pretty cool. It, it's sort of out of left field, I think, for a company like Tag Heuer. I, I, Tag Heuer's not... Uh, afraid to be creative. They're certainly not afraid to use quartz, as we know. That's sort of why people hate them, because they use quartz. But this is, I, I think this is a little bit out of left field. It, it is. And do you know my favorite part? Yeah. Scroll through the pictures and find the loom shot. Mm. My pictures are not, all, are not all loading. Can you show it to the me? The meteorite bezel oh yeah oh has loom luminescent material built into it integrated into the composite so it's this cool kind of lava lampy looking swirly different color loom than than your markers loom so the um you got like three distinct loom colors on this your Bezel markers are like the aqua blue Mm -hmm. and then kind of like a green. Yeah. You've got like a a C3 BGW nine combo. Yeah. And then in the, in the bezel, in the meteorite, the swirly green is like, like goo from Nickelodeon green. (laughs) Yeah, and no, it's, it's cool. And I think like three thousand US dollars on this thing. Yeah, if it was any less, I'd be shocked. It, yeah, no. So forty three hundred. The RP is forty three hundred Australian dollars. Is the website I read about this mm-hmm. thing, which I think translates to about twenty nine, twenty nine hundred US dollars. So great price on this thing. Forty millimeter case. It's dope. Yeah, yeah. I, I I love it. I think it's a cool watch. I'm into it. I would 
be more inclined to love it if it was like a silver case. It's saying a six-month reserve on a full charge. Which is like EcoDrive standard, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be an EcoDrive. So staying with with Tag Heuer. Can we do that? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, staying with Aqua Racer, sort kind of. of. Also, this week Tag Heuer announced their Super Diver, which is a thousand meter supercharged on steroids Aqua Racer. Brand new Kinesi movement. Full on busting your face, no shit to a watch. But it doesn't look it. It looks like a Spartan Aqua Racer. It's got a little bit more angular case. When it's got a huge case. Yeah, it's what, so 46, 44? It, yeah, it's like 40, 45 46. and a half by, four, four, aka 46 is what they're saying it actually measured, by 16 thick by like 52 and a half yeah. on the lug to lug. 52 so, and some change. So it's, it's a big boy. It's a big boy, yeah. Uh, but titanium. So, so it's going to wear like a dream. It's it's going to wear light. It's got like a cool wraparound crown guard thingy. I mean, this is a no shit super diver, hence the name. This is a a tool watch, an out and out big giant tool watch with a brand new exclusive to Hoyer Kinesi movement, Um, which Kinesi is kind of the it is kind of the it, it movement maker right now for sort of small scale, sexy diver watches. Yeah. Kinesi? Kinesi? I'm not even going to venture it. All right. I sometimes decide that I don't want to talk about things because there's just no way I could cover the (laughs) pronunciation. Uh, And and the movement looks, it looks like a a Kinesi, right? Goddamn. Kinesi. I think Kinesi. Uh, Kinesi? Yeah, probably that. Um, These are spendy. (coughs) Yeah, they're going to be about five grand. I think like seventy five hundred is, is what I came up What's with on the, these. Uh, so we're looking at time and tide, so everything's in Australian. But I've got ninety six fifty Australian dollars. Oh yeah, yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter. Ninety six fifty AUD two USD is sixty four dollars and eighty six cents. <laughs> Seventy nine ninety nine. Oh, okay. Uh, my Google machine is working slowly, but. I really think this is cool. I, I'm into it. I kind of love it. I kind of love it. I kind of want to get a big go fuck yourself dive watch. And and this is as good as any others that I can think of. What I'm liking about it is maybe that, that Raven one. Oh, yeah. That one's cool, too. What I'm liking about it is it's it's showing some promise for Tag Heuer development. Well, yeah, I right. Mean, I mean, we're, we're we're seeing some new things, some different things. We know that we know certain things are never going to change there, but I don't want them. I want them to do more cool things because I want I want some of their watches. Yeah, but I I don't want them to be a brand represented by two lines. You you know, if I remember right, our post watches and wonders uh, episode was tag heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they, they splashed at watches and wonders mm-hmm. they, they just had a ton of stuff going on. So I think, I think tag Heuer is maybe sort of like Breitling doing a little bit of a, a little bit of a, a revamp, right? Where they're image conscious in a way that is productive and fun. And, and from, for my part, it is welcome. So the, the relaunching the Aqua Racer 200, I I'm on record as saying I fucking think that's a amazing and spectacular watch. I think that they're doing good stuff. I, I'm I'm cool. I'm cool with tag. I fuck with tag. I'm, I'm gonna see him 
use this momentum and go with it because I think they've got a lot of potential. Bet. <laughs> What's next? Oh, what is next? Yeah, oh, this is something we must talk about. <laughs> a record has been set <laughs> by 0. 0.05 millimeters. Yeah, but that's important when we're dealing in like <laughs> what eight eight millimeters. That's right. So Richard Meal, Richard Milley, uh, this week announced a watch that breaks the record. So uh, just a few months ago, Bulgari introduced their. It's been a while. It's been what six seven months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's right. The Octofinissimo, what is it, Ultra? Yeah. Or is that it? Was it Bulgari or did Citizen have it? Because Citizen had something really close, if not the record, or did Citizen have it and then Bulgari take it? Uh, So Bulgari, six months ago, released the Bulgari Octofinissimo Ultra at 1.80 millimeters, making it the thinnest wristwatch ever made. And just this week... I'm just saying I've made one out of an eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper with some drawings on it. And <laughs> it's probably thinner than that. <laughs> Richard Mill introduced the RM UP-01 Ferrari, um, which is 1.75. And if you're doing the math, that's 0.05 millimeters delta in favor of Richard Mill. And, and, and they've done so. So both... Bulgari and Piaget have released very thin watches. And the I think the Bulgari just barely beat out Piaget's entry. Both Bulgari and Piaget actually used a case back that served as a main plate mm-hmm. for their movements. Richard Mille has done this different, arguably better, by managing in their record-breaking watch to completely encompass the movement. Not arguably better. Definitely better. If they were using a main plate as a case back, they would have blown the record out of the water. You, you know, I don't know enough about watch engineering to say definitely better, but I, I, I can see that it's certainly more standard and, and impressive in and of itself. Whether it's a, a actually better or not, I don't think matters. They've done a thing, right? They've sort of... Hold my beer. We're going to fit the whole thing inside. And, and we're going to put a Ferrari logo on it. And we're going to put a Ferrari logo on it. So these things are not affordable. And they're not, not only are they not affordable, but I think you also can't get them. No, but what you can do is get them wet. 100 meters of water resistance. This is why it, like this watch right here, is so problematic for me. With watches like the Speedmaster. Like, well, we would have to make it thicker to get water resistance. (laughs) You clearly do not. This thing is as thin as a credit card and has 100 meters of water resistance. And to price it out, Mike did this for us today. $18,880 per meter of water resistance. (laughs) A hundred of them. So it's $1.8 million, correct? 1.866. Yep. Million. Mil- million. 1.86. This is a $2 million watch is what this is. I mean, because if you're at 1.86, you're just a 2, you're right? Might as well round that shit up. It's yeah. a $2 million watch. And they're not making very many of these, right? So I, I this is not going to be like a production. This is obviously a engineering... Masterpiece. Masterpiece. But not something that's intended to be like... I, I would bought. be... I would be concerned with the integrity of a strap at that right. thickness, <laughs> right? A rubber strap at that thickness. I mean, that's that's not much thicker than a spring bar. So you're working with real little spring bars, tiny little sneak of silicone holding things to your wrist. You're up, no one was wearing this watch. So if you haven't seen the photos, you need to look at them. The movement is absolutely stunning it's yeah designed without mrpk i think um it, it's it, it's a piece of i mean obviously it's a piece of art designed to withstand 5000 g's 
which I don't know G-forces, but I think that's a bit. Yeah. That's quite a bit. That's like... A G is what you're experiencing right now. <laughs> Just one of them. When and I how know, hard is it to stand up? I know you like swing a golf ball or swing a golf club and you create like, a, you know, this dynamic G-forces are a thing. But um, I, I think that's a, I, I think that's an impressive number. <laughs> I just think it's cool. It's just, it's just cool. This is cool for the sake of cool. And right? it doesn't look like a watch. It looks like an instrument. It does. Yeah. And it is an instrument. And, and you know, all the pictures are kind of like taken at an angle to like make clear that it's very thin. Uh, but y- you're right. It doesn't look like a watch. It's kind of a weird looking thing. And it's made of grade five titanium. Yeah. Because at that point, who cares? <laughs> just, just let's spend money. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this is. This is a, a, a show of force. And I dig it. And, and it's coming from Richard Mille, which is super fucking cool that they're throwing their hat in the record-breaking thinness game. Because a lot of what Richard Mille does is like, it's just baller status. Like, hey, we got this thing encrusted with diamonds. Hey, Rafa, here's a watch made with tennis strings. But they also do <laughs> like exceptionally... Or was that for Nadal? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. But they their their engineering is exceptional. I mean, OBJ was wearing one on the football field to test its durability. He got fined for wearing a, a Richard Mille. That was Richard, yeah. Or was yeah. it Hublot? No, it was Richard, Mille. Richard Mille. Yeah, he's yeah. wearing a, a I don't know, I think it was it was one of their it was in it was brown. It was That's in what I remember. It brown's was, colors. No, it was, it was orange. Brown. Okay. And it was in brown's colors and it was your phone fell. Um <laughs> shit. But they want these athletes wearing their watches during competition to to stress test their things. And that's not something that comes to mind for me when I think of Richard Mille. I think super high fashion, high design, not engineering feats. And it, it's, a, it's a good reminder that that's a lot of what Richard Mille is doing. So we've got a few we've got a few watches left. Uh, kudos, Richard Mille, world record! Hooray! Can we do the? Let's do it. That's it. Really goes too long. Um, That's what she said. <laughs> uh, I, I think we can skip some of the stuff that we we've still got like ten links here. We have a lot of things that we we plan on talking about. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Can, I, I do. There's one that I want to, please, want to talk about. Please, Andrew, uh, please. Accutron has dropped two new space views. Yeah, they're, they're 2020 space view. Which is weird because it's not 2020. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. Uh, so they've got two new cases that they've dropped. They're super cool. I take issue with it because I want the space views to be affordable. A watch for the people. Yeah, like, and they're not. These are clearly uh, upscale watches. They're they're tending towards Richard Mille, like not. <laughs> I mean, they're 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 tending towards like high design ideas, and not. Hey, this is a super cool fucking thing, and I'm gonna remove the dial of this watch so you can see how cool this thing is. They're really focusing on the design of the space view, which was. In errant decision, yeah, yeah, like it was an accident. Well, so so just to just so we're all on the same page here, uh, a few years back, Bulova introduced their new sort of electrostatic energy technology. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this sort of twin turbine electrode movements that give you sort of that classic. Accutron. I mean, this is this is fucking cool tech. It's cool tech. It's a little silly. It's uh, a little hypey, but it's it's cool and and it's good and it's efficient. It's relatively accurate, plus or minus five seconds a month, which is a good number. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of a kinetic energy type of situation. It's a very hybrid energy type of situation. Yeah. That that's right. Uh, so they released their Space View 2020 line a few years ago now. And and so they're now iterating on that. And so they've mm-hmm. introduced these two new watches, which both are fairly similar looking 
skeletonized type, that classic space view aesthetic that you know and love. But oh. it's not exactly that either. That's right. So, you know, Accutron's tuning fork, uh, <laughs> you know, their tuning fork logo is evocative of a thing that doesn't really exist and certainly not in this. Yeah. And certainly not in this context. I think I think the Accutron line is interesting with Bulova. Zacutron is not independent, but it's they're they're trying to make it so. They're they're trying to create a, a delineation between Bulova and Accutron with the same branding. Very much a pre-split Seiko Grand Seiko situation. It's a discrete brand within the brand. Yeah. Um and I th- I'm I'm sort of bummed out the way they're managing the Space View line. But you're, I'm you're also on excited record about, as being a huge fan of the I Space View. I love the Space but I love the the OG Space Views, you know, the yeah. the the Space Views of of 20 years ago and even like the they original 40, Space 50 Views years 50 ago. years ago yeah. that were that were intended to be marketing tools. Yeah. That showed you the tuning fork. They're like, "Hey, this is what the this is what's happening beyond the watch." And they're like, "No, I want to buy that watch. I don't I don't need a dial." Give me that watch right there, right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's super fucking cool. And I, I think this is a, I don't know. It feels it's a, a bit little, of a bastardization of the of the idea. It right? feels They're, a little gimmicky, right? Like yeah. they've leaned into it to a point where it's no longer really what it was intended to be at the beginning, and now it's just a thing that Bolivar has. And then people see and they like, and they don't know why they why it even exists, which yeah. bugs me a little bit because the the OGs are cooler. Still a neat watch. These are yeah. and they're gorgeous. These they're are like thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah, four, almost four on a almost four on the bracelet. Uh, I assume these are well made. I've not seen one for four thousand bucks. They better have a pretty nice level of I've, finishing. I've not seen any Accutrons yeah. in real life in their new in their new iteration of Accutron as a discrete brand. Yeah, might have to fix that. Uh, also, also speaking of w- watches that were cheap and brands potentially trolling us, uh, I see that Casio. Yeah, I see that Casio is really leaning into their over-the-top, uber-expensive MRG titanium fifty-six hundred cases. I think this is maybe one watch. Of a two watch collection. Right. <laughs> so this week, so last week, uh, last week, the G Shock announced their MRG, I think it was the B5000 or something, which is this yeah, titanium case. Y- yeah, yeah, that's right. This titanium square G, which is. An engineering feat, and and they're not afraid to tell you wh- wh- why the engineering is so cool. Um, but it, it, it's sort of uh, almost antithetical to what G Shock was at one point. So rather than being sort of simple, no nonsense, tougher than nails, it just looks that G-Shock, way. G Shock. Uh, and, and I assume I assume these are very tough, and they're using space age materials. So they so just to finish the thought here, this week, Casio announced uh, the the latest iteration, which they're calling the Aozumi, which I think is roughly translated to blue black. Yeah, uh, it's an ink. It's a Japanese Japanese ink color, Aozumi, blue black ink. Um, and as you might expect, this watch is black. And a very rich blue black shade. Um, it's a really beautiful blue. It's better than Tudor's blue. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, this is made with about four different kinds of titanium in the case and the in the exoskeleton, as it were. Um, and it's cool. Fuck, it's a t- it's a super high tech titanium G Shock that costs four thousand dollars. Yeah, it's fucking cool. I'm down with it. But it does seem a little bit like we're being trolled at this point. I'm down with it. I I I could do it. I think. Yeah, I could. I'd feel comfortable dropping the four thousand dollars. Well, this. yeah, it, it's not a crazy amount of money. I mean, for if you're into watches, it's a crazy amount of money for a G Shock. 
it's a crazy amount of money for a titanium G-Shock, but I'm I'm not uncomfortable saying that's a that that price is in my comfort zone. Yeah. This is fucking dope. It's gorgeous. This is this is high design. This is luxury watch. This is like if if you would get this kind of engineering masterpiece out of any of the Swiss watch world, you're looking at significantly more. Yeah, you know, I actually think companies like Formex, in fact, I maybe just say Formex, yeah, Formex. perhaps Norcane, uh, you've got a couple companies that are doing some pretty cool shit with engineering. Um, but this is at a, it, this is at a different level, obviously. I mean, the the ability of Casio to lean into yeah. You know, R and D is is unparalleled, and I'm sure them selling watches. this at four thousand dollars is a loss for the R and D that went into it. Yeah, they may have to sell a whole bunch of them. Yeah, <laughs> before they recoup those costs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Andrew, I feel confident that we've rounded up, um, but I, I I don't want to cut you off. Is there anything else you you are dying to talk about? Before we transition, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm okay with the, with the things we talked about. Well, then, for the first time in two weeks, uh, I'll ask other things. Oh, what do you got? I have another thing. You you do? Yeah. It's been two weeks. I'd hope. Un- unlike you. Oh come on! I was capable of watching television for my sick week. And. Some really terrific things happened in the television space You're in right the last about this. You're couple right weeks. This. Yeah, July we're, we're July fifth. Today is the fifth of July, correct? Some big things happened in the last couple weeks. First, it's going to be my other thing for the week. What, can we? Can we? Can I just establish we're we're going to be nothing but television for our other things? Yeah. And and either one of these could have been either one of our other things. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. We played rock, paper, scissors to see who got which. <laughs> Umbrella Academy season three dropped. Yeah. And I watched all of it because you finished season three. Yeah, but like pretty fast. <laughs> you plowed. Yeah, I did work. Um, it was. Terrific. For those of you not familiar, Elliot Page was a primary character in Umbrella Academy seasons one and two. Vanya. Vanya. Number seven. As Ellen Page. Mm -hmm. During the break, the COVID and between season break, Elliot Page said, I'm actually not Ellen, I'm Elliot. That created a little bit of, I think, question on how they were going to move forward. Netflix still ordered a third season. And it was, no one really knew exactly how they were going to do it. How are they going to manage the transition? And they managed it exactly how you would expect it to be managed. They were like, hey, Vanya. And they're like, actually, and then he goes, actually, it's Victor. All of his siblings are like, okay. And they just kind of moved on from it. As it should be. It's fantastic. And then they they addressed it immediately. Like, not in the first episode, I don't think. But very early in the season, they addressed it. They moved on. It was never a thing. And that was some that was like I was encouraged by that because I I sort of felt like they were gonna maybe manage it wrong. They were gonna fuck it up. Yeah. And it would be easy to because you can Anything other than just address it and move on is kind of fucking it up. The season was terrific. They did a great job bringing all the story together in a very Umbrella Academy way. It was so good. If you don't know, now you know. Umbrella Academy is a serialized television show based on a dark horse comic Mm-hmm. Of the same name, Umbrella Academy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say from the '90s or 2000s. In that zone, yeah. Um, beloved, sort of one of these cult favorites. And seasons one and two 
they've done a, just a really terrific job. You, you know, going from comic to television, as we know, this is a particularly good time in terms of technology. Um, CGI has come to a place where you're getting really very palatable results. Um, and they've done a good job incorporating physical effects, CGI. It's it's humorous. It's lighthearted yes. in ways that some comics aren't. It's about a family. It's about a, a set of kids that were all born on the same day in the 80s? 89. October 20th, 1989. Who get adopted by this eccentric billionaire um, who, when the series starts, he's just died. That's that's not a spoiler. When when season one starts, Mr. Hargraves has Hargreaves. Hargreaves has just died. And you get this bit of unpacking of the death. And and then, you know, as all series do, right? They sort of they deal with one storyline and mm-hmm. then kind of move on to the next. But the dynamic between the characters is really, really amazing. And you've got these very discreet personalities. And it's just, I love it. I love this series. They do a terrific job with every character story arc. Because season three must be the end. I don't know. I, I don't know. You're how they, saying based on the end, it must I'm just be saying, the end. I'm just saying based on the... I haven't seen anything of them reordering for a season four. All the story arcs are really well done. They have these really unique. It's not like Lost where they just throw shit in there and they're like, we're never going to explain that. (laughs) Everything is explained. You know, when you see something, you will get an answer. You'll get not just an answer, but you'll get resolution to the question. And it was terrific. Yeah. I loved it. It was super good. If you haven't watched the Umbrella Academy, there's at least, there there are currently three seasons on Netflix ready for you to binge. And you'll binge them. You will stay up way too late. You will call out sick. You will be glued to the story. Because it's cute, right? It's it's a yeah. really charming story. Yeah, it's cute. It's, it's, not, word for it. it's not kid friendly, but it's just super, well, not like young kid friendly. Yeah. It's just really charming, really good characters. It's it's good. I've got another thing. Do me. So I, I think every few years we get these television shows that are, I, I don't know, have like zeitgeist type characteristics, right? Yeah. You, you know, we've had uh, Game of Thrones, obviously, Sopranos. We get these sort of larger than life television shows and with that come expectations Mm -hmm. and very strong opinions. And I think once I see people publicly bragging about how they're not into something, you realize that that show has made it. It's all the way there. Right. So when, when I see someone say still don't like stranger things, like a badge of honor, I realize, okay, Stranger Things has made it. Like this is probably right now the show. Yeah, you're and, the weird one for not liking it. That's why I watched Squid Game because I was the weird one for not having seen it. And, and right, it's okay not to like a thing that other people like. That's okay. That's okay. My point being just that Stranger Things is the it show. Mm-hmm. I think right now, particularly right now, but just right now, Stranger Things is the it show. Yeah. And Stranger Things has done some weird sort of release date things, especially with this most recent season four. I was furious about it. <laughs> they split it into two sections. So they released the first six or eight episodes. Six. Six episodes. And they held back the last two episodes. Which were both two hours long. <laughs> That's right. So an hour and 40 and, and two, two hours and a half. Yeah. So... I mean, these are both like feature length episodes Um, and and they held until July 1st. So I think there was like a six or eight week gap in between. It's like four weeks and it was the worst. Season four, part one and part two. Those have both dropped now. And if you haven't watched them, they're available to be watched and you should watch them. Uh, I, I 
had to wait for my COVID to go away and for my family to come back into town to watch it. And then we all sat down and we watched him in a night, which is hard, right? That's He's, a long night. It was a long That's night. That's a stressful night too. And we plowed through. I'm going to say for my part, I'm a little bit, I, I think I'm a little bit forgiving when it comes to these shows. I really love stories and I'm pretty forgiving when a story does things that people don't want them to do or, or when they don't wrap things up or when they leave things out. I'm, I'm pretty forgiving. I will, I will just say this. I enjoyed almost every single moment of season four, part two of Stranger Things. I loved it. I think a lot of people with a show that's this big are hypercritical of storyline development, character development, things that get left out, things that get overdeveloped. You see a lot of hypercritical analysis and review and people like expressing profound disappointment and blah, blah, blah. I, I evaluate shows based on one thing and one thing only. How much joy did I have during the time I sat down and watched this? And for me... I felt so much joy watching Stranger Things season four, part two. I loved it. I'm going to, this is a spoiler. There is a scene where Eddie, who is the hero of season four, I think, is standing on a trailer in the upside down with everybody's favorite kid playing into multiple amps, Metallica. And it is it's so dope. Fucking glorious. I like realized as I was watching this scene that I had that smile on my face that was like I couldn't get rid of it and it was starting to make my face hurt. Yep. I was so happy. It is really and really enjoyable. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. You should watch it. You should enjoy it. Also, when you watch it, if you look at Vecna, he has a funny little pot belly if you do not see the grinch yes if you do not see the grinch now you will and you can thank me later but vecna is the grinch by he the way he has the cutest little pot belly just okay just just a little just a little grinchy fupa andrew here we are i loved it i have i have some serious and valid complaints hit me but i love them no I'm, I'm, those are spoiler like complaints but we've done it. That's it. I have no other things. We've done it. We're back. I'm just gonna. I, I'm gonna say something. Here we are. This is episode 190 something something, and Six, I think we're at nearly four years. Andrew, you've missed one or two shows. I've missed a good handful because I usually don't record with you in September. <laughs> you've missed a couple shows for hunting and or army training. Uh, I've never missed a show <coughs> until Before last week. week. Um, we, I, I'm, I'm going to defend us a little bit. We managed to get a show together. Thank you again, Will, for stepping in and replacing us. We're going to be here every week, you guys, even if it's not us, we're going to be here. We're going to continue to do this. We're going to continue to be here every week. This is kind of our thing. This is what we do. One of those things is to give you a new show every week, whether you want it or not. Even if you don't listen, you don't have to listen to all of them. But what we can almost, almost guarantee you at this point is that if you want a new show on Thursday, we're going to be here. Yeah, and we proved that through COVID. <laughs> <laughs> so we appreciate your patience with us as we missed last week. Um, but we we thank you, Will, for for carrying us, and we thank you for sticking with us for our week of, uh, for our first vacation week. That was our first vacation. It sucked. <laughs> that was not a good vacation. Not a good vacation. Andrew, I think we're I think we're there. Is there uh anything you feel like adding? I'm out of things, man. I'm out of things too. Hey, thanks you guys for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the Watch Clicker Podcast. Uh you can check us out at our website, watchclicker.com. We post weekly reviews and articles and really good shit on the website. Okay? Go check it out. You can also follow us on Instagram at watchclicker at 40 and 20. That's uh, we post pictures and keep you updated on what we're doing on the website and on the podcast. Uh, if you want to support us, and oh boy, we hope you do because this board was expensive. 
You can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, that's how we pay for all our hosting, uh, hardware, software, uh, and and it, it can add up. Uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. And for those of you who are already patrons, we thank you so much. And uh, yeah, don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.